0: At least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. (laughs) This, 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 This show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, January 22nd, 2022. How's everybody doing out there today? Hope you had a great weekend. It's cold up here in the Northeast. It's cold up here and it's getting colder. I don't know. Uh, This week is supposed to warm up. Uh, Next week, uh, we'll see how it is. I don't know. I was down on the waterfront in uh, on a project. I will we'll be there all week. And it's... Uh, I tell you what. It gets to you. Thank God for the... Uh, let me turn this down. Thank God for the uh, uh, survival suit. And we'll just leave it at that. The exposure suit. <laughs> But then, you know, uh, you know. I, this, I don't know if anybody else does this, but I have on my weather app on my iPhone, I have all the places I'd like to go and the weather on there. So I have like St. John's, the U.S. Virgin Islands, you know, Niagara Falls, Anchorage, Hawaii, you know, all these other cities. So I see what I'm missing here. Wanted to thank everybody for the support. What did you think about? Last Thursday and Friday's programs. We try to be timely, but uh, you know what I found out. Well, one of the reasons why I have this program is that I get very annoyed, and I had for years and years and years. I got annoyed because I would go to events. I'd go here. I'd go there. I'd read. I've always read. I, I before the internet. I'm one of those guys that used to read. Five newspapers, seven newspapers, sometimes every day, right? And I don't mean like uh, the local paper only, which I did read the local paper, but I would read like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, anything I could get uh, my hands on because I'm I'm a reader. I like reading magazines, like newspapers. Today I wrote, I read a book uh, on uh, that we're gonna, going to be incorporating into uh, one of our trainings on how to manage OSHA, OSHA on the Fifth and Sixth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the Fifth Amendment, the right uh, that you have not to inc- self-incriminate, and the Sixth Amendment was the right to have an attorney. And this is where Alec Baldwin screwed up. We replayed our commentary from exactly one year ago in 2023 on the whole Alec Baldwin and the Rust uh, situation with Helene, the death of Helena Hutchins and the uh, Alec Baldwin, he got indicted last Friday, and the Arborer uh, there, uh, Gutierrez Reed, I believe her name was, her last name. Anyway, we did all of this stuff and reason why we go into detail on that and on Thursday was the uh, Reed Uh, elementary school i think that's what it was called in uvalde texas and they're shooting the reason why we go into this stuff in depth is that nobody else does it you get a 30 second clip on the news name the news hey this is happening this is screwed up all right jay allen for the format of his program, the Rated R Safety Show did a phenomenal job. They put together, like I think it was like a two-and-a-half, three-minute long thing on that, because that's the format of the show. And I, you really can't disparage these news networks, because their format is 15 to 30 seconds. And then if you're interested, you can go and look it up. How many of us actually do? We had a number of people killed. Right? One person on the Rust set, 19 on the... Other situation, people died. It's normal to want to know why they died. It's normal for me. Now, I want to know why these people died, why these children died. How, no, not so much how they died, but why they died. What were the things? And all of these reports are counterfactual. Meaning if they would have done X, Y, Z, then this wouldn't have happened. Or they should have done this. That's not really what we're interested in. We're interested in as an accident investigator and as a safety professional. We have to be interested in, okay, this has happened. This is what happened. A little bit on this is the end result because that's always going to be part of a report. But what were the events leading up to this situation that allowed this to manifest? That's what I check out. So, on uh, both situations, you had a, some things that I could think of all right off the top of uh, my head. What could, uh, uh, what were some of the uh, things? Number one lack of training or ignored training. That was the one of the things, and with both uh, things, an intro to OSHA course would have been nice for rust production set, so maybe the uh, people would have known what their... I would like to think that they would have known what their responsibilities were, how to manage things, what the proper procedures were, they needed reminders. I mean, we have we have this all the time, where we have reminders on what needs to be done. Right? Uh, on this. And that's how... It, because this is what happens. People, people become complacent i'm not talking the what we talked about where last week where we had uh complacency sometimes a stable system is called complacent that's not what we're talking about we're talking about people not wanting to do the right thing all right for whatever reason because the incentive system put in there or maybe a false belief this is a big one for me with uh respirators and not necessarily this one with a respiratory protection right there's a p100 uh, filtering face respirator I'm holding now for your folks on the radio end of this now people don't like to wear that so maybe you have to remind me hey when you're doing that yeah and you know you have these little things that you do reminders asking coaching auditing everything else that's what happens sometimes. That's what the idea is when you have these meetings. So on both sites, the training was off. Misunderstanding of what their responsibilities were. That was another one. So on the Rust set, you had my opinion, one man's opinion. You have videos of Alec Bull went out there very upset in the parking lot after the incident. crying and everything on there and then going in front of the uh uh, police and as part of the investigation thinking that you're maybe doing the right thing and we know that police are well intentioned but they're human beings like everybody else things get uh, mischaracterized things get misunderstood things get all discombobulated maybe his Response, and I'm sure his attorney or attorneys is probably saying this to you. One, you have a right to remain silent, and you have to assert that Fifth Amendment right. Number one. Number two, especially when there is a fatality and an injury involved, you know that there's going to be a police investigation. So you want to assert your Fifth Amendment right and also your Sixth Amendment right. So you say in your head, I have a right to remain silent. Fifth Amendment. And I'm asserting that, and you have to be affirmative. No, no, you know, I think I should. No, I am going to assert my right to remain silent, officer, under the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. All right. Now they could use that, and the Supreme Court apparently over the years has eroded that right away a a little bit, where they said, well, that could be construed as you're admitting some type of guilt. Back in the day, that's not how it was, but that's been eroded uh, apparently over the years. Uh, and but the one re- thing that has not been really eroded away is the Sixth Amendment. I'm not an attorney here. I'm interested know what I read. I read a whole book on this today. Uh, the Sixth Amendment, right? Hey, I haven't. I need. A, I want an attorney. Now I understand you're all amped up, and this is what happens. Uh, okay, great. And what happened was he got indicted. And I replayed the entire program you from a year ago on the whole thing, right? On the podcast and not on the video end. I'm sure once we get close to trial, I'll redo the video. I'll, I'll do a video. In the other one with the Uvalde Texas one, similar situation. Because of lack of training, People weren't exactly sure what they needed to do. So you had one agency saying, this is what we need to do. The other agency, this is what we need to do. Incident command system, which I'm shocked. I'm shocked that the uh, first responders, in this case, the police officers, were not familiar with it, according to the report. I think there was something, I suspect something much more going on there, my opinion. Way I know how organizations work. Where maybe they didn't trust the chief of police. Maybe they didn't like the chief of police. Maybe he did not have the leadership ability, able to influence people the way that needed to be done. All of these things, I don't know. Maybe people, I mean, I've been on, remember, I have the story where a guy, a uh, building was on fire, a process unit was on fire. Guy says, I'm not leaving. Because you say there is a fire. I don't listen to safety professionals. It's like, really? (laughs) Really? Uh, Yeah, I don't listen to safety professionals. Uh, Well, what are you going to do with that? That might happen. So what what can we learn from both of these things? You got to have training. You got to have practice. Don't do anything. Where you're gonna have people uh, put people in a line of fire. Both incidents were with guns. One person, uh, something happened with the gun where it went off. I'm not sure, right? Because there is some debate there, and that's what's gonna be around the trial, centered around the trial. Some other things with the armor in the situation, where what was her job? What was her role? What what was she supposed to be doing? Not doing what have you? I think my opinion. Because she got written direction, is it her fault? Oh, morally, I don't think so because she got written direction on how to handle things and how or how not to handle things. Right. So I think that she may not be, uh, she's in much better shape than Alec Baldwin, who was holding the gun and uh, holding the gun. And he, since he was the, one of the persons in charge or the executives there. He may have bigger culpability. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. On the other end, with the Uvalde, my question is, and it was the same question when the situation happened, why wasn't training done? Why wasn't organization done? Why wasn't all this other stuff done? And they need to really ask that as far as the investigation, if they want to learn and improve exactly what happened here. I don't know with that. Uh, with this, the report the parts of the report that I read really didn't go into this 500 and some page report. Uh, read the executive summary and some of the other things, didn't really go into it uh, as far as I know. But we know what well, we know. You got to do the training. And if I were you, and if you're a safety professional, I would go back. With Friday's fro uh, Thursday program and share that with your management, just the way it is. Uh, Friday. Uh, now last Friday when we did the replay on the other one, that is my my uh, that is why I got on to Coast to Coast AM last year with Ian Punnett, Rest in peace, Ian. Was because of that program because nobody else did it uh went into in-depth and detail that i could find that's what we need to do and uh that said keep asking good questions and have conversations in your workplace and everything else uh we're going to take a break right now and go to our first commercial break
1: in the professional safety community communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success the question many practitioners have is where do i start dr jay allen the creator of the safety fm platform and host of the rated r safety show has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozel with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold,
0: OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy.
1: Yes. You are listening to Andrew Safety Wars. Wars. Tomorrow's safety today.
0: And since it's Monday, I don't have it here. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, I'll say this much. For our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior based safety, here is your nightly message. Make sure you have out that secret decoder ring. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. Thank you. All right. Uh, don't, I took that button off the soundboard here. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Now we have here. Uh, we did not really go over news, obviously, uh, Thursday or Friday, dealing with OSHA. Uh, so what I am doing is we're going to go over some of the releases from OSHA, their press releases last week, and here it is. This was released on January 18th, 2024. OSHA and the National Demolition Association renew alliance to protect safety and health of demolition industry workers. U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration and the National Demolition Association recently agreed to renew their alliance to improve the safety and health of workers in the demolition industry. During the five-year agreement, almost like the uh, Star Trek, right, five-year mission, the five-year agreement, the alliance will address industry hazards by developing safety and health training resources and seminars that focus on deconstruction well, that's, that's a new word for me. Usually it's called demolition. No, it's a deconstruction. selective misman- dismantlement of building components for reuse, repurposing, recycling, and waste management. So that's the whole, uh, uh recycle, reuse, rethink, right? Uh, well, I was redo, Reu- recycle, reuse, renew and rethink agenda here. Uh, The Alliance will also work with labor organizations, contractors, and staffing associations as needed to share information in multiple languages and formats on a variety of topics, including fall and heat illness prevention. Recognize and hazardous materials, construction, safety, and protecting temporary workers. Since the July 2021 signing of the original document, the Alliance developed several products, including a document on managing predictable hazards, uh, one preparing for and implementing power plant demolition, guidelines for signage and door hanger use, and notifying residential communities that will be impacted by demolition work, and podcasts featuring uh, OSHA Deputy Assistant Secretary for Occupational Safety and Health, Jim Frederick. Demolition work involves many types of hazards going on. And I tell you what, let's go and look at the demolition hazards that clean click on here. Now, what I like about a lot of these OSHA resources is that they're open source. This could be a great uh, uh, safety meeting here from the, in, you know, with the things. Now, so with demolition, you often need an engineering survey, survey uh, before any demolition work takes place, done by a competent person. This should include the condition and structure and the possibility of an unplanned collapse. Um, projects where I'm at, this is like a show stopper. So what happens is the Okay, what happens is the We got some noise in the background here. So if you don't have the engineering survey done for a demolition, it's usually your showstopper. My job is it is. If you're going to start doing demolition, you got to have some kind of a plan here. And it has to be more than uh, one page. Usually. Right. Uh, The way I always start out in writing this stuff is that I always have a job hazard analysis done that's my starting point on almost every health and safety assessment health and safety document and everything else job hazard analysis or task hazard analysis whatever we're calling them this week they go by number many uh different names and we have to go and we have to figure out what's going on and everything else and that's a good starting point that's not what the end point is going to be and after this you have a discussion with the work And everybody else what they need to be done all the stakeholders and uh now you have to try to use the uh, hierarchy of controls and you and the problem that i always see on these demolition jobs is that they often use day laborers and the training is impossible usually to verify and then the equipment they have them bring their own equipment and that may or may not be correct, and a lot of them don't even use their own equipment, uh, use it properly. U.S. Department of Labor investigation construction workers' fatal injuries finds a Stoughton contractor failed to follow required safety procedures. This is out of Braintree, Massachusetts. A federal investigation found that a Stoughton general contractor could have prevented an employee from suffering fatal injuries in June 2023 if the uh, employer had followed required safety regulations and trained workers on the safe operation of heavy equipment at a Brockton work site. U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration found a company exposed employees to struck by and caught between hazards as they worked near a compact track loader doing excavation work for a new building at Brockton Hospital. OSHA investigators discovered the track loader's bucket was elevated and being used to load and unload crushed stone on uneven ground as an employee worked underneath. During the operation, the employees suffered fatal injuries after being struck by the loader, lower and pinned between the ground and the bucket. Further, after OSHA served a subpoenas for documents and for the managers to testify, the employer delayed providing injury and illness records, which employers are required to provide within four hours. So those are your OSHA 300 logs for the last three years and 300 A summary forms. That's normally uh, normally what that means. Now, it's January, right? So, in January, this is when these documents need to be made. Depending on the size of your company, they may, and what you're doing, it may have to be electronically done. You, we can let you know on that, 845 269 5772. And here we have uh, $142,000, $642 in penalties. Now, this is what it comes down to is this. Okay, this is going to a totally different thing here. Uh, Website from the DOL. Uh, Website. Maybe they're sending things differently because they don't have enough capacity on their server or whatever. So, let's see here. All right. Now, remember, everyone's innocent until proven guilty here. Now, so give us a call. We'll, uh, you know, we'll help you out on making that OSHA 300 log. So this is the other than serious. So for whatever reason, they put them in two locations. Type of violation other than serious. The employer did not provide authorized government representative the records within four business hours. On or about August 10, 2023, OSHA formally requested by subpoena copies of the injury and illness records for the years 2020 through 2023. OSHA followed up on this request uh, in writing on 8 30 and specifically informed the employer of the requirement to r- provide the requested documents within four hours. The uh, employer, however, did not provide those records to OSHA until or until on or about September 7th. What's the reason for the delay on that? I'm not saying this happened here, but often the delay is that one, the records don't exist. And number two, uh, they don't know how to fill out the forms. I had to deal with that last week with somebody. Uh, Number three was that the uh, forms, uh, that they uh, do not have uh, records at all. High turnover in the demo industry, a lot of day laborers. May not people get hurt. And the other thing is this they might have been faced with other things, you know, other things going on there. Now, companies manage the accidents differently. Maybe they had to really vet everything with their attorney uh, prior to doing this. And I think the, the one of, I don't know how successful of a, what's the word I'm looking for? How successful a strategy it is to delay giving records to OSHA, but I have heard of that as a strategy. Hey, I tell you what, the law, they, law says within four hours, they have to reduce the documents, reduce them within four hours. Real simple, Hire confidence safety people. you had to have, you know, with that. Now, is there a law or a regulation that says that uh, that's against hitting somebody or pinning somebody with a backhoe, allegedly. No. No. You have all different types of hazards. You have the OSHA Focus 4 and everything else. But here we have citation 1, item 1 here. It's a willful, serious. The employer, and this is under the Occupational Safety and Health Act, uh, the uh, general duty clause. The employer did not furnish... Employment and a place of employment, in which was free of recognized hazards, going on and on and on, uh, where uh, employees were exposed to, struck by, and caught, a, caught between hazards while working in the vicinity of a Bobcat compact track loader. And, uh, okay, so when OSHA uh, uh, cites you on this, right? Right. There has to be four different elements here. One, the employer failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employees of the employer were exposed. The hazard was recognized. Uh, The hazard was called. You bring back those Oreos now. The hazard was caused or likely caused death or serious physical harm and there was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. My daughter came down here. took my oreos anyway uh so those are the four the employer failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employees and that employer were exposed the hazard was recognized the hazard was causing or likely caused death or serious physical harm there was a feasible use right so those are the four elements those are ands now that's often very difficult for the agency to do that's why general duty clauses yeah we hear about them we cover them all the time here but My understanding is is that they prefer not to issue that because you have to prove four elements. And on top of that, when they write this out, they have to, right, they have to establish all four of those, which I believe they have, and they have to give you an idea on how to correct it, and that satisfies one of the elements that there is a way to prevent this, right? So element number four was the hazard was recognized. The hazard was like what's causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm, and there was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. Right? So that's uh, basically it. Now, okay. One uh, method, among other methods, one method of feasible abatement would be to train employees to follow the manufacturer's safety warnings in the equipment operating manual for the equipment in use and be aware of hazards in the work area. Additionally, the establishment of a site-specific safety plan to identify potential hazards, establish work rules, and enforce work rules to ensure the safety of anyone involved within, with the project, including but not limited to a JHA for that activity, a JHA for operating equipment in accordance with the manufacturer's operations manual, and a JHA for the site uh, is properly prepared for safe operations of the equipment and any other heavy equipment for construction work in accordance with the manufacturer's operation. Again, 140,633. I'm just surprised that this happened at a hospital, uh, right? With that. So they got them for this and the other thing, willful violation under the general duty clause. And so here we go. Uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that 484 fatalities are caused by being struck by an object or equipment in the workplace. Approximately 75% of struck by fatalities involve heavy equipment uh, such as trucks or cranes. Rest in peace. Okay. Okay, here we have from January 17th, out of Atlanta. U.S. Department of Labor finds electric vehicle battery manufacturers expose employees to unsafe nickel levels and other uh, mixed metals at a, at a commerce plant. The, so what were the four things? Exceeded 85 decibels uh, for uh, audiometric uh, situation, noise monitoring. Exposed employees are working with cobalt, nickel, and manganese respiratory hazards. We're working on a video right now. We're hoping to get it out on toxicology where we go into some of this stuff. All right. Ensure the employees are given clean, disinfectant, and sanitary respirators and store respirators properly to protect them from material contamination. Failed to make certain that people working with corrosive materials had access to eyewash stations and emergency showers and left workers handling bags of nickel powder vulnerable to respiratory hazards. So all that stuff, right, is on there. So right off the bat, you have cobalt, nickel, and manganese. Those are heavy metals. They all have the same target organs, all four of them as far as I remember here. So what, what it is is when you're exposed to all three of them at one time, you have to assume that it is what is called the additive. You have to apply the additive formula, meaning that the PEL and the exposure limit for all of those would be lower than would it be than each one individually, because your body has to work at removing three things in this case, rather than one thing at a time. So, what would happen is you have to have a certified industrial hygienist or other qualified safety person do an industrial hygiene monitoring situation with air samples sent out to a third-party lab. And we would all, and uh, then you would come up with uh, what the levels are, run some numbers, and determine whether or not you're above any type of PEL or other ex- applicable exposure limit. All right. Now, failed to make certain that people working with corrosive materials had access to eyewash stations and emergency showers. Pretty self-explanatory on that. We're going to get into that with uh, when we do the uh, actual report. Uh, left workers handling bags of nickel power vulnerable to respiratory hazards by not providing feasible administrative or engineering controls. The lithium battery industry has experienced unprecedented growth. Now, we have a big push now for batteries i could uh, i was in a solar manufacturing uh uh, panel manufacturing plant a number of years ago uh and i can tell you i won't mention the location because you'll know which one it is Uh, i did an industrial hygiene audit there you want to talk about a dirty location there's dust all over the place right and everything and because these companies are new, they're inexperienced, often they don't have experienced workers who would know uh, what's going on, or the managers who would know what's going on with OSHA, but they can, eight four five two six nine five seven seven two. 269 You get situations where, like this, emerging here. Now, there's $75,449 uh, uh, here in penalties. Let's see what they are. For you people at home, I have this on share screen on the uh, uh, audio portion here. Citation one, item one A, serious 9822. Uh, uh, type of this violation, serious. You had a noise monitoring situation where you had uh, OSHA went in there and actually did noise monitoring. Uh, determined that they were over the 85 decibel limit. So, when information indicated that any employee's exposure equal or exceeded an eight hour time weighted uh, average of 85 decibels, the employer did not develop and implement a monitoring program. I mean, you want a screening, there's all different apps you could use screening on. However, remember, it's not scientific. So, you, so you got to get the real equipment here. Citation one, item one B type of violation serious. The employer did not establish or maintain an audiometric testing program. Now, remember, in the general industry uh, uh, section, you have a lot of requirements here. This was a zero here, uh, dollars associated with this. Citation one item two, this is $14,733. The employer did not provide a medical evaluation. Uh, this is under nineteen ten one thirty four e one uh, employers, So you have to do a medical evaluation to use a respirator. I uh, went into this all the time, right? I, I've gone into this numerous times, what happened at my mother-in-law's funeral with the guy having a seizure or something, Distress respiratory distress from just putting on a little paper imitation surgical mask, and he dropped the coffin. I've gone into this. So it can happen. Believe me, it can happen. I was starting to kind of covid uh, the other thing is this. From my experience, I, I don't have my anecdotal evidence experience, we had we have a lot of people who are vaping and doing electronic cigarettes. I've never had a smoker in 30-some years of doing this fail, a 19-year-old smoker fail a, a pulmonary function test from a smoker, unless they had like pneumonia or a cold or something like that. We had numerous times 19-year-olds who vape every day since they're 11 or 12 years old fail medical examinations or they cannot wear a respirator. We've had that. That is part of our experience here with that. I don't know what the numbers are uh, industry-wide, but we've had that. Citation on item 3, type of violation, serious. Respirators are not stored to protect them from damage uh Contamination, dust, sunlight, extreme temperatures, excessive moisture, and damaging chemicals were not packed or stored to prevent the formation of the face piece and the, uh, uh, exhalation valve. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So they're using powered air purifying respirators, which are a lot of money. I mean, like a lot of money, sometimes over 1500 bucks on these things. Why wouldn't you want to store these things properly? I couldn't tell you. 15625 Normally, this is along the lines of putting them in into a box, like a box. I don't mean like a cardboard box necessarily, but a box, a carrying container or some type of large Ziploc bag. 15625 All for not having it in a Ziploc bag. Come on, guys. Uh, citation one item for 1910 where employees were uh, where employees were exposed to injuries from corrosive materials suitable facilities for quick drenching or flushing the eyes and bodies, bodies were not uh, provided within the work area for immediate emergency use so it wasn't immediately there for their use now there are ANSI standards and everything else for that you can look them up what that means exactly and i'm sure osha has a letter of interpretation on that Seventy-three hundred bucks Citation on item 5a type of violation serious 1910 1000, A2. employees are exposed to an airborne concentration nickel cobalt and total dust listed in table z1 in excess of an eight hour time weighted average concentration for uh, 1.1 milligrams per meter cube for nickel, 0.1 milligrams per meter cube for cobalt, and 15 milligrams per meter cube for total dust. Uh goes into all of these things. Again, they needed an industrial hygiene uh, type thing going on here. So what they did was they, I'm reading here, I'm not going to read everything, is that they did? there were certain areas that had nickel, uh, certain areas that had uh, cobalt, right? So they were all segregated here, right? Not all together. And just... Total dust not otherwise specified. 15625 Would have been cheaper to get the industrial hygiene audit, guys. 29 CFR 1910-1000. Type of violation. Serious, feasible, administrative, or engineering controls are not determined to implement and to achieve compliance with the limits prescribed, blah, blah, blah. All right. That was it. So that's what's going on there. So what do you think? right? right. Let's go to commercial break here. On set up Is your safety minutes. training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com. Or call Jim Pulzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces.
1: Have you listened or watched uh the Safety War Show? It does stream live on on the radio and um on the streamer emers that we have. So, if you have not taken a listen to Jim Pozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would I would strongly encourage you to um to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely it will take some deep dives and in some information that you might be interested in.
2: In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Pozel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant. That's Safety Wars. Join the safety revolution with Safety Wars. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your. In unpredictable world, one voice rises above the chaos. Meet Jim Polzel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety world. Engaging storytelling expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars Revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars. Your safety is our mission.
1: Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com
0: Well, I'd be remiss, and I know people are always looking for my comments on the uh, political end here. I try to be as nonpartisan as possible. So this week we have the New Hampshire uh, primaries. Uh, I believe that uh, there's nobody really, I'm sure there's a lot of people running on both sides here. But essentially all the big candidates have dropped out. Uh, on the Republican side, except for the obvious one, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, dropped out today, uh, or late last night, I should say, yesterday afternoon during the football games. Why would you do that when people are doing? I, I don't know. Hey, well, I I I have a major announcement to make about my campaign. Let's see what during the football games. I don't know uh, with that and. So we left with two there, and we have Joe Biden, and we have Robert F. Kennedy. And I'm going to – I know it's a different program, but I'm going to suggest you go back to last week's Coast to Coast AM. They are friends of the program and uh, uh, no, uh, on no, coasttocoastam.com, and they had an interview by with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I tell you what, there was a lot – about a lot he talked about a lot of things especially things safety related environmental safety related and consumer product safety related but there were a lot of comments made as to why politics are the way they are and there it was all the way back to his uncle's campaign John F Kennedy jr and his father working in the administration and it uh, was no, all out from their decisions are still being with today. Uh, here, and it was just very interesting to hear someone authoritatively speak about these things rather than you know you hear you know you hear from a historian. well, John F. Kennedy did X, y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. well, in his case it was hey, my uncle Jack did X, y, and z, and this is exactly how it went down. and my father was involved in this way. So it was a very refreshing perspective on things. That being said, As I said back in September, when we talked about how to get on the presidential ballot and other ballots, and so you could get to vote, we're a long way off, guys. Long way off from November. All right, really, end of October is wh- when everything will firm up here. I have a feeling probably the second half of October of a different surprise. Anything can happen. We can have an October surprise, what they call. Anything can happen, guys. You're going to say, well, Jim, what do you mean anything can happen? What about this? What about, well, yeah. Well, what it comes down to is this. Neither a candidate, they're elderly here. All right? Any way you want to point at it, uh, what, Trump in the late 80s, uh, Biden 80, blah, blah, blah. Anything could happen. I don't want anything to happen. I want them to live a nice, long, happy, long life. But either one of these folks, make real to knock them out of this. Don't want that to happen again, right? Scandal. You have convictions on one end. You have a scandals on the other end. You have all different things. Go- Anything can happen. And the other thing is this. What if, All right. What if we uh, have a situation here where neither one of them goes to the Democratic Convention or the Republican Convention, and neither one of them has enough votes to be the nominee for that party, then it goes that it's open game. Anybody could be there. You might even get me being nominated. How does that scare you? So, just some food to think uh, think about here uh, with this stuff. Don't get your uh, don't get all upset or anything else. And remember, our rules for radicals with all this stuff, keep the pressure on. Because when you have people putting pressure on you again and again and again and again, putting pressure on, now you're easily manipulated and easily controlled. That's why you need to get a hold of your emotions. Get a hold of your emotions, not freak out, not uh, uh, let yourself... Be manipulated. That's what you need to do. And with that, I'm gonna I'll see you back here tomorrow. we we'll, or in the next program. Probably not gonna be tomorrow. And we're gonna to talk about some more give us some views. We're gonna talk uh no whatever comes up the next uh forty eight hours here and uh we'll go from there. So let's do uh share and we'll do our outro